Welcome to WTTS In Conversation. I'm Matt Pelser. Big thanks to our sponsor, Indigo. This is the sound of a rewarding career. Hop into the driver's seat at Indigo and steer your career forward. Apply now at indigo.net slash employment. You know what's hard to turn off? Getting starstruck. I've gotten the chance to talk to some amazing musicians, stars of the biz. And when I do, I got a job to do, you know, make the conversation happen, get the exclusive, overcome the jitters. Let me tell you something, that was really hard to do when on the other end of the line was the legendary Jackson Brown. But as you'll hear, he couldn't have been nicer. After all, I wanted to talk about what he wanted to talk about, his latest album, Downhill From Everywhere. We get into a couple of the songs on the new record, this U.S. tour that he just wrapped as well, the album's title, which, as you might have guessed, was inspired by an environmental crisis, as so much of his work in and out of the studio so often is. So let's get right to it. Jackson Brown, right. what a pleasure uh, to have you. Thank you. I've, it's uh, great that you guys are playing my record. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've listened to the whole album, Downhill From Everywhere, a few times now. You know who it sounds like? I hope it sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It sounds like Jackson Brown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've just kept up the melodies and lyricism that we love so much from you, and it's just great. Let's talk about it. The song Minutes Thank to Downtown. We got the video recently. Your son Ryan directed it? Yeah. How often do you work with him? I know he's a musician, too. It sounds like he dabbles in film as well. Well, he actually is more of a video maker now. He's worked with a... He's made a, a bunch of videos, actually, and um, more than I've seen. Now, he went to film school, and he's he's an aspiring filmmaker, but he also is what he does for a living. So he's. Uh, I got to work with him. Um, this is the first opportunity I've had to work with him, and it was, it was really fun. Driving around L.A., you know, um, which I also love. I mean, I, you know, to live in L.A. is to drive in L.A. You just spend all your time in the car in a way that's what the song references the fact that you're you can't believe you're still sitting here in a car on the freeway when there's so many things either in your imagined or your real you know uh your, your real life that you'd rather be doing so i just thought just drive around just pictures of me driving and as almost as if you're the pa a passenger in a car and we're going someplace but i really enjoyed making this video with ryan because he won. He's really good, and he's he he brought a lot of. Um, I mean, I've made a lot of videos at home where you just you know you just put up a couple of iPhones and you try to get your best take and you you put that out. But and I didn't have to perform the song. That was the thing. That was the best part about it. Is I didn't have to drive around and be singing the song. You know. Yeah. I, and so, I mean, the video did what I guess it's supposed to do. Uh, I, I'm going to assume here. It made me focus on the lyrics. And so we came exactly. to the lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I found that out. Like when we started, um, we did have some, we were experimenting with some stuff where I was going to perform, like I was singing the song at the piano. And we had all kinds of things projected on the piano. It was, it was, there were a bunch of involved and more ambitious things in our, in original idea but i noticed that when when i wasn't trying to sing it when i was you weren't looking at me singing it you could actually hear the words better oddly enough it's more real than if i were doing that because it's really not real to be lip syncing to a song it's not very real yeah. i mean you can make it look real uh but it's not and so yeah that's always it's always the issue with me is how to get people to hear the how do you get someone to hear what you're saying 
even live performances. I mean, you try to disconnect all the, the visual stuff so that it just becomes accepted, something that people are taking along with the song, but their focus, you know, is on the, on the story. Well, and then we come to the line, and this is what I want to ask about. Don't know how I'm still in L.A., which you repeat at the very end. So yeah. what's that about? What Do you want out? I've always wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been trying to leave L.A. since I got there. You know, I mean, I've, I, I, I grew up in L.A. until my family moved to Orange County. And then, I, then when, I, when I came back to L.A., it was as a, you know, you know I, was, I was 18 or 19. And, and it was an, as an aspiring musician. And I always figured that once I got something going and made a record that I would leave. And I did briefly try to do that. I finished my album and I, and I went to the, the Bay Area where I w thought I wanted to live. And I spent about three months looking for a house and just wound up on a friend of mine's boat. And then it was time to go on the road. And I never found a, another place to live. And when I came home, what I realized is that I'm, I'm really inextricably linked to Los Angeles. I mean, I, it's, it's where my family is, it's where I grew up. But I've always imagined living some other place. I always wanted to live some other place. And for a while, I mean, I have a, I have an apartment in Barcelona. So, I mean, I can leave. I can, there are places I can go. And I have a place outside of LA. I don't know how people live if they're only in, in LA, if, if that's the only place they have for, and for me, for many years, that's what, that was it. I had an apartment in LA and that's where I lived. But I guess in my imagination, I can go anywhere. I mean, I can, and that's the great thing about music. You can kind of imagine anything. In the song, it's about someone who would like to be somewhere else, you know, would like to be someone else. And it be, to be, oh, there I just slipped and said, like to be someone else. But that's really what, what the, the, the deeper implication is you wish your life were some other life. You, would, you wish you were able to go live. And there are any number of people you might meet that you imagine going, let's, I'll go live there. I'll, I'll go be that person and go do something else. We wanted to try to portray that for a while in the song. I realized that would just be a huge distraction, you know, because everybody really, everybody listens to a song and supplies the images of their own life. So how do you make a video of you in your life, in your particulars, without disrupting that process by which people you know, take the song into their own life and their own experience? Yeah. Well, it, uh, it, it worked. It worked for me. And we'll get into the album's closing song in just a few seconds. But I got to thank Indigo. Indigo is hiring full-time coach operators right now. Put yourself in the driver's seat when it comes to launching your career. Indigo offers competitive pay, outstanding benefits, and the ability to make a difference in the community. Apply today at Indigo.net. Now back to Jackson Brown. Uh, you you brought up Barcelona, the closer yeah. on the album, a song for Barcelona. Yeah. And and as I was listening, I thought, is this the same album? Because it's so different from the rest of the album. I know. The more I heard it, though, the more I totally related to that song. Because I've been not because I've been to Barcelona, I've never been there, but uh, because sometimes you take a trip that has such an impact on your spirit yeah. that never leaves you. And you yeah. said you have an apartment there, but. Did you get the apartment there because you just took this amazing trip and that's what the song's about? What that was pretty, yeah, that, but also to be more specific, I went there and I stayed in this apartment that, that, that my friend, a friend of mine had opened a restaurant in Barcelona during the Olympic season in 1992, right? So she had this apartment and she didn't have time to do anything with it. And they, she had a really cheap rent because 
the deal with the landlord was she'd fix it. There were all kinds of things that, you know, with the plumbing and various things and that had to be done by the tenant. And the deal was that, he, that she'd have a really cheap rent until, you know, then she needed to leave a few years later. She hadn't done anything to fix it. When I, when I stayed there, it was like staying in a, I don't know, it was like it corresponded to my dreams of traveling to Europe when I was young and and would stay. I mean, there was nothing in this room but just tile floor and these beautiful arched windows and nothing in it. I mean, I slept on the floor. And then I found out that she was going to let go, let go of the apartment. And I just said, I'll take it. And it was really cheap. And I and I and I, I didn't even get there for about six months before, you know, after I rented it. I started going there. And I learned something about I learned a lot about myself and about really about life in America. One you won't really experience a place until you've had to go to the hardware store. When you do, when you're trying to find the word for soldering iron or like, you know, that's when you find out where you are. And like, <laughs> I kept making up these, or I'd go, or you, I'm trying to find a certain product in the health food store. And there's a beautiful part of Barcelona. It's, a, it's the part where everybody goes to eat or to meet with their friends. These tiny bars and people, our kids are all up all night, you know, in the plaza because everybody lives with their family at home and there's like, there's no room and nobody has their own apartments. People live with their parents and their grandparents. And then, then these kids just stay out in the plaza all night long because that's, that's where they are with their friends. And I loved that about the, that place. The other thing I found out is that Americans work harder than anybody. They definitely work harder than the Spanish. And the Spanish are trying to kind of, become more, they are more industrious now. Now those people that have abandoned the, the Spanish formula has always been, you take a siesta, you do, you take a siesta in the middle of the day. And this is the best part of the day. I mean, and their, and their way of thinking is like, who would spend the best time of the day working? Everybody, kids who come home from school, people come home from work, families together for a meal, or you go home and you, you sleep because you were up all night the night before and you catch up on your sleep or you see your lover or you catch up on that, the work that you need to do. But more, more often you go to a restaurant and you have an incredible lunch and this is the siesta. And then people, they don't, nobody knows whether it starts at 12 or one, two, when is it? And nobody knows when it's quite done. So it can be about five hours if you work it right. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are coming home at eight or nine at night. And they're walking home from the metro and they're going, they're stopping in stores to buy whatever they're going to have in the evening meal. And then restaurants don't even open till 930. And I used to go, go to this one restaurant and they said, oh, it, these are these poor people that they're starving. It's only nine. We're not even open. And you're starving. Like, sit them down. Let's sit them down over here. <laughs> here, have something to drink. We'll be open in a little while. And then, <laughs> no, I love, I love Barcelona. And I got to, I got to have an apartment there for the last i don't know 20 years i guess and yeah. and i just go there when i can but i'm so glad that you like the song because it's meant to communicate with people who haven't been there yet and try to depict it but it also is me showing off for the people i know who live there like trying to show off my knowledge of the place so to name all these streets at the end it was i probably spent more time on that one song than any of the other songs because because that's when the pandemic hit and i just went at one point my engineer said do you realize we've been working on this song for a month? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But we were. And uh yeah, no, I it's interesting that you say it's like from another album. It is, it's from another life. It's like where I imagine going when I'm 
Well, it's like one more place and a long list of places that I imagine going other than L.A. Mm. I've got to think, um, I want to talk about this tour just a little bit. I got to think that at this stage in your career, you can call some of the shots where touring's concerned. Was it your idea to end the tour at Red Rocks in September? Oh, is that where it ends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I actually don't. Do, I don't involve myself so much in where we play. For one thing, you need a promoter to tell you that they want you to come play. But no, I think after I see, I would have to like look at my calendar. Yeah, yeah. Because it does. That's not where. That's where the U.S. tour ends. But we're going to go to Japan, right? And okay. uh, and we're talking about getting to Europe and, and Australia. But so. Yeah, touring in the United States, it's a little bit ongoing, you know. I mean, yeah, we, we assume that we get to play, we hope that we get to play Red Rocks because everybody loves to play that place and we all really enjoy, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, I'll just tell you, no, there's no sort of sense of finality, like we end, you know, ta-ta, we end at Red Rocks. Sure. You play it whenever, you, whenever, they, whenever they, you can schedule it, you know. Yeah. I was just curious. Um, all right, one more thing I want to ask about. You've never really shied away from your stances on the environment, the new title, Downhill from Everywhere. Yeah. That's a quote about the ocean. I can't remember who said it. You you said something in an interview recently. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a, something that was said by an oceanographer named Captain Charles Moore. Yeah. And he was the guy that actually discovered that there was this, this, this huge buildup of plastic in the middle of the Pacific. He's the guy that discovered what they call the... The Great, Great Pacific, Pacific Garbage Patch. Garbage yeah. Patch, yeah. He was the one that sort of brought it... And he's a scientist. I mean, he was going... He was navigating across... He was motoring across the Pacific. And he was doing studies of the ocean and the species and stuff like that. And he, suddenly, and, he, and he found himself in the middle of this gyre. And gyre is where the ocean sort of swirls slowly. It just was... It's where things collect. Mm -hmm. And that was quite a while ago. But... um. Yeah, it was a phrase that kind of caught my my ear. There's another oceanographer, uh, Dr. Sylvia Earle, who's also given to like saying these things that like really they they sound like they're from a song. Like she's got this phrase she called the the, the blue heart of the planet. She talks about the ocean because the oceans are all connected. There are five gyres, five places, or possibly even more that where stuff collects and where the where the currents cause a sort of swirling a very slow sort of swirling and where stuff boats can become becalmed and stuff just you know collects but in all five of them the, the amount of plastic that is collected there has shown that plastic doesn't go anywhere it doesn't go away one of the really really disturbing stuff things about touring is that you, when you you have to eat a certain amount of uh to go food you know food to go and then you, you're sitting you're having eaten this meal and you're sitting there with enormous amount of plastic waste and we've we've tried we've tried for years to show up with our own containers and some places say oh no 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 we got regulations we can't have anything come in mm. you can't you know can't come into our kitchen and you can't and uh it's been you know because the other thing i did is I mean, we stopped we stopped using plastic bottles to hydrate you know we just all have disposable i mean not disposable reusable metal bottles and that's more common than ever now but when we started I mean, it's more than 10 years ago we did that we stopped 
because we, I, I saw these big pallets of plastic bottles at every gig. I said, what are these? Is, well, this is how many bottles your writer calls for. A pallet. Because the truth is that people only take a sip or two, they put it down, and then there's about 10 of them on the table, and they don't know which is theirs, so they open another one. Mm. So we have our own bottle, and it's, everybody knows what their bottle looks like, you know? And, and we, have, we carry a filtration machine. It's about the size of, uh, it's, not, it's not that big. It's the size of, you know, maybe about three feet high, and it's on a little dolly, and we plug it into the water. We hook it up to the water at the backstage, and everybody fills their bottle there, and it filters the water. So we don't, you know, but we, you can only do so many things. Yeah. I also worry about the amount of diesel gas we used, you know, to drive around and doing a tour. Sure. I'm stressed about all this stuff. I worry, <laughs> I worry because nothing's, nothing's getting better. You know, that's the, that's the real, that's the thing about it is that it's like the late great planet Earth. I mean, we are, we are so brilliant at so many things. We should be able to solve this. I think we can. But it's really going to take it's going to take having the will to solve it. And, you know, a great many people are involved in trying to do that, trying to figure out how to stop avalanche, the tidal wave of plastic that is engulfing the natural world. Well, and if you're someone like you or me who doesn't have a ton of knowledge of that, all you can do is all you can do. And it sounds like you're doing what you can. And I appreciate that. And, That's uh, the approach I take. Like I've done what I can do. I've do, done all I can do. And I continue to worry about it. And, you know, but I mean, but there's just what you can do. And then there are those people that have taken it upon themselves to try to move the dial um, politically, and they're getting somewhere with it. I think people, I think because it's such a vis visible problem, because you see wildlife getting ensnared and, and dying miserable deaths caught up in plastic, and kids can see this. I mean, you, you, it's, it's visible. We can see now what's that our carelessness is, is not sustainable. We're not going to be able to, we're going to, we're going to impact the world to a degree that we, we won't be able to live in it anymore. Jackson Brown, you're fighting the good fight, and I appreciate it. Uh, the new music is great. I know the album's been out for a year now, but uh, I love it. It seems like you're happy. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. the tour. Yeah. Thanks for I your will. time. Take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Check that one off the list. Hope you dug that. And thanks for listening. This has been WTTS In Conversation. Subscribe to this podcast and find more at WTTSFM.com or in this feed uh, where you can also stream us. I'm on every weekday morning. Follow WTTS on socials at WTTSFM. I'm at Matt Pelser Radio on socials. Back again with another episode in a couple weeks. Talk to you then. <laughs>